All right, right back up in you. YouTubers, war media supporters and fans everywhere. This is the Running With War show. Kyle Means here. Got my peoples with me, Drew Stevens, back after a bit of a hiatus. Been about a month or so, man, since he's been on the show. I don't, I don't know what he's been doing, but I guess I guess Juneteenth has passed, so he's he's done enough celebrating for now. So, but uh, Josh Joshua M Hicks is in the building as well, once again, and our guest here, a good friend, a first time runner, but a guy we, uh, me and Josh have known for a little bit now. Hung out with us back in uh, the 2020, back in the before times, uh, the the All Star game here in Chicago, uh, definitely made an impact down over there at that time. But uh, is doing it, man, doing some really cool things out there, writing and interviewing a lot of cool people in sports and entertainment world. Is you know you uh, you've seen his byline in quite a few places from. Uh, you know, Forbes, uh, you know, heavy.com, uh, you know, uh, was it 137? Uh, the, the Gary, uh, yeah, Gary Vucic, uh, endeavor, you know, he's been, he's been doing it, but, uh, he's here right, he's here right now with us, you know, uh, like I say, first time runner and doing this thing. Landon Buford, please welcome him to the show. And, um, uh, yeah, tonight we're gonna just, uh, get back to it. We was gonna do this show on Friday, but pushed it back. So Monday, so appreciate uh, you know you uh, hanging in with us, Landon. But uh, you know we want to, you know, Landon's based in Texas and everything. So uh, you know he's done you know quite a bit of coverage over the years on the Dallas Mavericks and and, and such. So I want to get him to talk about the you know the, the kind of wildness that's going on there right now and how things are breaking down. Uh, you know they lost their coach, lost it. With the GM and uh, you know a lot of lot of diff- lot of changes that are going on, it seems like only one man is standing in the end, uh, uh, Luka Doncic. And you know I don't know if that's going to be for the best or worse, but uh, you know when you look at what Dallas is trying to form right now, it seemed for a second that they was going to be one of those uh, you know young teams that could have jumped up and took an opportunity for themselves in these post in this postseason. But what we've gotten in the meantime has been Phoenix really being that next team to become uh, a problem out there in the West. And now they're forming, uh, you know, they, they formed a, a 1-0 lead in the Western Conference Finals, battling the Clippers, who we've, uh, you know, for some for a while now we've been having these expectations for. You know, they got a couple years ago, couple years ago got together their big two with uh, Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting now, you know, Kawhi dealing with injuries again, but the team didn't need him to close out Utah. And they, you know, Paul George, show he's showing them uh, that, that playoff PG level now that, that we've uh, all expected, wanted to see from him. You know, and for years now, but uh, you know, he's even though uh, the Clippers didn't pull out that win in Game One on Sunday, you know, Paul definitely showed up again. 
So uh, you you got that going already, the Western Conference. And over the weekend, the Eastern Conference Finals set up two great game sevens played. Uh, Milwaukee knocks off uh, Brooklyn in Brooklyn. Uh, Really a classic game there on Saturday. And uh, a pretty good game seven as well in uh, Philly. Uh, You know, uh, the – uh, a, effort, a good effort by uh, the, the 76ers. You know, you, you give you thought they would have the advantage at home, but uh, you know, Joel and B came to play. Some of the guys, other guys came to play, but one guy didn't come to play, and he's really getting uh, a lot of heat right now. I think you all know what I'm talking about, but uh, I don't know, guys. You know, we just will go around the go around the horn right here, man. Starting off, you know, what's what uh sort of sticking out for you guys? What's been the uh, the main you know what's the main storylines for you guys that's really making you think as we get into these uh Eastern and Western Conference final series? As as a guy that's probably you know for one reason or another not seen as much as you other three gentlemen probably have. Let me just kick it off by saying that I'm excited. I'm excited, you know, going into the season or coming into the playoffs, I, I had in my mind that we were going to see the Lakers and Brooklyn match up. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll get um, Brooklyn and the Clippers. But now that we have the four teams that we have now, I'm just as excited because, I mean, I, I don't know what way it's going to go. Um, as you alluded to, you know, the Hawks beating the 76ers, who saw that coming? Um, I actually picked the Knicks to knock them off in the first round, so – you see how my predictions are going. What's that, like 0 for, 0 for 3 so far that I just missed? <laughs> so I'm just excited, man. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, I think it's it's nice that we've got some new blood here kind of vying for the championship um, in a league that's kind of been dominated by the same team, same stars uh, so recently. So I'm just looking forward to it, man, see how it shakes out. Definitely, definitely new blood this year. And when you look at all these franchises, I kind of ran over uh, these franchises and the, and the ones that were still left last week. Like, none of them have really had recent uh, success this deep in the postseason. You know, if you look at a franchise like the Clippers, they've never had this level of success. They've never been to this level of the playoffs. So, yeah, we're, we're, getting, we're getting to see – some new new people uh, raise up individuals. You got a couple of older faces, but you know, really, the most established faces left in the playoffs are still it's they're still sort of up in the air health wise. We talk about Kawhi and uh, Chris Paul, so we don't know how much of an impact they're truly going to have in these remaining two rounds. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. We you got the pressure. On the other side, going to the East, you got the pressure on Giannis to perform. And, uh, you know, he's he's lived up to it so far. But, you know, let's see what he'll do against the Hawks. And you got Trey Young, who just seems to really be, uh, you know, bloodthirsty out there right now, looking to establish himself as a new, uh, 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 you know, uh, a new uh, playoff figure, one of those ice-cold killers in the playoffs. So, yeah, we, we we got a lot of we still got a lot of story here. And I think if you're into this, if you're really into the league and its players, you know, there's not a lack of things to be interested in. You know, you got these people out here who talk about, 
or what the ratings are going to be. I don't give a damn about the ratings, man. You know, I'm not a network executive, so you know, you could you could miss me with all that. You know, I, I want to see the people who win these series go on and face each other. That's what I want to see. The people who earn these opportunities, let's make them into these stars that we know that they are. Oh yeah, most definitely, I agree. And I, I, and like and to piggyback off of what Drew said. I like how the new blood is shining in the newest moments, especially when you're talking about Ice Trey, because Ice Trey is my light skinned brother from another mother. So I got a lot, I got a love, love to the ATL and that's but, uh, hey, but hey, Jack, it got it got even more light skinned with Herder. He did, he did. He pushed it, that 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 red headed brother pushed it to another level, man. He shocked me. <laughs> he shocked me in that game. Hey, but they, they needed Herder yesterday, man. Yeah, but, but that's the thing that Trey Young's leadership combined with Nate McMillan's leadership and the way he's really prepared this team has really taken this team to another level. That even though even in the offseason we knew that they were a playoff team with the signings that they have, but yeah. to come back and play at the level they're playing to where they're an actual Eastern Conference Finals team, yeah, like Drew mentioned, that was unexpected, and that just shows you the impact that, that Nate McMillan not had. Um, the boldness of the front office to even make that move in the middle of the season in the way that they did to remove Lloyd Pierce and bring in Nate Millen, while also giving Trey Young the platform to, to be Ice Trey at the most biggest stages and the biggest moments ever. That it's, it's, This is a historical season for the Atlanta Hawks that, quite frankly, will be – I love it, and I think it will be great for the NBA, especially as they continue to, you know – develop the young talent that's already there because we're not even talking about the Cam Reddishes. We're not even talking about the DeAndre Hunters who unfortunately got hurt throughout the playoffs and didn't get to play in this in this past series. So you get they still got talent out there that, you know, that's young and still developing and thriving. Um, with the young Trey Young and the superstar at the superstar level, man, the sky's the limit for the Hawks. And I'm glad that they're able they were able to display that in the Easter Conference Finals. But when you talk about Phoenix, and more specifically, in my eyes, comparable to a Kobe 2.0 and Devin Booker. What I think we all knew that he had the skill set to pretty much put on a show at any given moment in time. But for him to finally get to the playoffs that where he is now with Chris Paul and for him to take advantage of the opportunity that was in front of him to pretty much take the Phoenix Suns team to another level with Chris Paul being out in that game one. You saw the, I think you saw really the impact that Chris Paul had on him, not just because we know Devin Booker is a hell of a scorer, but the way he facilitated for others, the way he impacted the game in different levels. To come up with a 40 point triple double when Chris Paul's not there, that's, that's huge for the Suns team, especially a young roster like the Suns who have the Mikkel Bridges and the Cameron Johnsons and the DeAndre Aydins that are developing at such a high rate under Monty Williams. That Chris Paul impact is there on and off the court, and Monty Williams and James Jones for them to get Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year. You, you see the impact that they're having on this Suns team, and Deep Book is just to another level. And to see that, and see what Trey's doing on both and within both conferences, the future's bright, man. The future's bright. Yeah, you mentioned Monty Williams and James Jones, and the uh, the authority that uh, you know these these brothers are having in the league right now, you know, ex-players and, uh, you know, black men. And we got three of the four coaches in this uh, remaining in the playoffs are black. 
and, uh, and, and former players at that. So, you know, uh, I think it, it should tell the league something about their hiring practices and who they're looking at and uh, not looking at, you know, uh, for these jobs. You know, they should, you know, uh, take note, you know, as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, uh, Landon, man, you know, let's, let's get you in. You know, we, you know, Josh talked about Booker and the way the, the great way he stepped up with the 40 points and the triple-double on Sunday. And, you know, what, anybody, you know, is, is it Booker or is it anybody else who really has uh, grabbed your attention in this postseason? Who, who would you say is really, uh, you know, remaining out there, be it individuals or teams, you know, has really grabbed your attention and made you uh, – you know, sort of fall in line with what they're doing in this postseason. Well, considering the way that the Hawks began their season and the defunction, I mean, the 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 all the you know um, infighting that they had in the locker room with you know Trey and um, uh, LP and you know Collins asking to be traded at the beginning of the season, you would have thought that they right. wouldn't have made the playoffs. You know what I mean? Now, you know, yeah, they made the playoffs. They, you know, they're going to get probably get past the Knicks. Philly's going to take care of them in five or six games. And then we're going to go into the, you know, you know, uh, into the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. Clearly that none of that happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, Atlanta took care of business. Obviously, uh, Ben Simmons, um, you know, affected the game elsewhere. But when it counted as far as points go and, um, you know, uh, becoming a liability um, from the free throw line, to him not even wanting to shoot in last night's game before they were eliminated, um, you, you can't script that stuff up. Booker, you thought Phoenix was going to be a, you know, maybe a top four, top five team, you know what I mean? Top six without Chris Paul, right? Possibly, right? This year, they're, you know, number two seed. At one point, they were the number one seed. Obviously, they're in the Western Conference Finals this year. Um, they have a legit shot to win. Um, they're already, you know, Stephen A. Smith is uh, just like Josh said, you know, um, Devin Booker, Kobe 2.0. Um, Magic was on uh, first take earlier this morning, and um, Stephen A. Smith just, you know, dubbed him the next Kobe. Um, I know other people, you know, came in and said that Booker's trying to be himself, being the next only Booker. But I mean, um, of course, people are going to compare Booker to Kobe because that's his mentor, but he's actually starting to show that. I wrote a, a piece about that earlier today. Um, about that, you know, scenario. Um, but, you know, Booker, Booker surprised me this season. I mean, he's obviously stepped up. Um, Chris Paul's out with COVID. Um, you know, who would have thought that would have happened? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping all the people that were around him that he was hugging um, uh, after the game, uh, the closeout game against uh, – who were they playing? Um, against uh -huh. him. Uh, yeah. Yes, Denver, if they're okay. But um, he should be, what, if he misses game two, um, then he'll be ready for game three. And they're, I mean, if they, I mean, they're now that they have the one game lead, and I don't see them possibly losing game two, but we'll see what happens. They're now playing with house money until Chris, uh, Chris Paul can get back. Who, who do y'all think could do the best without their top guy in that series? Uh, Phoenix or uh, Clippers, like if, if if just if one of them had to do without their top guy, you know who would you who do you think would do the best? Well, the Clippers are actually showing it because Kawhi's been out. P 
people like Reggie Jackson have showed up. Um, obviously, Devin Booker, um, I don't want to say played out of his mind because he's given us 70 points and, you know, big games before. So, I mean, it, it kind of feels like that they're, they're both doing it. I mean, I guess um, I feel like Phoenix can't do that the whole series without Chris Paul, but um, the Clippers are going to probably have to do it without Kawhi because if, they're, if it's the ACL, that means he's going to be out for the season, but they haven't announced that that's the particular injury, but somebody said it could be ACL. And if that's the case, he's done for the, he's done for the, for the remainder of the playoffs. With, with that said, you know, what, what are y'all thoughts on, on PG and how he's, you know, he, he's, he's really stepped up. He's the, when you look at what the way that he's played in the past week, compared that to the way that he was called on to play in the bubble last year. And he really just was, you know, not there. He was not all there. You know, people was arguing about his mental capacities at that time. But this year, he's he's been sort of steely out there. He's not, he, you know, he's come through with the performances that has been needed from the from the team to take down Utah. You know, a tough number, a number one. They, they weren't a number one seed that I, you know, I would say was the most intimidating number one seed ever. But they, they're still a very good team. They had to do without, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell at key points. And, but they still had a, a nice balanced team with a good, again, a good uh, home court advantage, I would say. They, you know, their crowds came to the, you know, came pumped to their games. But the Clippers never really seemed phased by that. And when they came to them finishing off that team at home, they really, you know, they, they, they overcame big deficits in that series, and it, it, it just was. I'm, I'm like I say, I'm, I'm giving it up for for Paul George in that manner. I mean, I don't know if any of y'all would enjoy me, but I, I know the playoff P stuff is is fun to make fun of. But like I say, he's he's been doing it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely partook in that man. You know them that that uh, the memes of him shooting that corner three off the side of the backboard in yeah. the bubble last season. But I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to see where he is right now. Um, it, it, it kind of reminds me of LeBron when that first season in Miami, where he was trying to kind of play up himself as the villain. Um, he struggled mightily in that, that final series against Dallas. And he came back and he just seemed to kind of, kind of relax, kind of exhale, tune everything out. And that seems to be what uh, Paul George is doing now. He, he I, I made the, I, I tweeted that, um, was a game six against Dallas that, you know, I needed to see the Paul George that kind of made a name for himself in Indiana. And I feel like ever since that game, ever since Kawhi went down, like you guys have said, this guy has, has looked apart. Um, he's played every bit as well as he has his whole career. Uh, he looks like a leader out on the floor. Of course, they got a big boost, like Landon said, from, um, Reggie Jackson, uh, Terrence Mann playing out of his mind. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy for Paul George. It's 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 hard as much as as much ribbing as we give him or ha or have given him. It's hard not to root for him. You know, he's just so smooth, so talented that it had to be only a matter of time before he figured it out. Yeah, play the playoff Pete thing was just a matter uh, another instance of how wrong headed it is to give yourself a nickname. You know, you, you don't, 
you don't give yourself a nickname. You got to let people give you a nickname. So it was easy to jump on him for that. But he still is, like I said, Drew, he's, he's got a record of some pretty good performances in the playoffs. Going back to like, was it 2013? You know, uh, when he was, you know, battling LeBron and them in those, uh, you know, those Heat teams, you know, he was like the last uh, line of defense in the East a couple of years, you know, him in Indiana. So, you know, he, he you know, he has the big injury in, in the, the summer. I think that was the summer of 14 and, um, you know, had to come back from that. And, you know, he reinvents, you know, hops a couple of teams, reinvents himself. I think that's what the playoff Pete thing was sort of about. It was sort of him like asserting himself and saying, you know, yeah, look at me. I'm I'm one of these dudes out here too. But, you know, like I said, we just didn't buy it at first. You know, he had to come through with the performances to uh to to you know back him up. And it's gotten to you know, he's just gotten to that point this year where he's it, that's happened. So, you know, if he can keep that up and get uh you know, get a Western Conference title or even an NBA title for uh, for the Clippers. You know, that'll be uh, the the big feather in his cap. But uh, you know, Drew, you you mentioned that first year of Miami, that big three, and um, you know, to sort of take it back to the East now, uh, Josh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, you know, as, as we look at the teams we're leaving behind, uh, that next team, you know. Very close to to knocking off the Bucks, of course. We know how close. It, some would say it, it was as close as uh, a half a shoe size on a uh, on Durant. You know, for <laughs> for them, you know, him hitting that shot at the end of regulation, and you know that just that much was on the line. You know, on, and instead of a uh, getting the two instead of the three, but uh, you know, in in the end, overall, you have this amazingly built team, a three. You know, big three in every sense of the form, but they don't make it. You know, would for I, for me, I think there is some parallels to that first Miami team. You know, would would, would you say that that's the case? I I don't know. To be honest with you, and the reason why I say that is because when you look at the Miami's big three, their biggest problem was. They had the wrong person leading the movement. Because then at the first year, it was D Wade's show. D Wade was the guy, he's the franchise guy. Everything's going to flow through him. But it didn't get, and LeBron playing the second option or learning to play that second option, they had, they had their struggles throughout the year. But when it came to the big moments in the playoffs, especially in that final series, LeBron flaked. He just wasn't there. And then that's when D-Wade officially had to realize that, you know what, I have to be the Batman now. I mean, I may have to be the Robin. LeBron has to be Batman. And when that shit, it just opened up the floodgates. I think in this team, we couldn't really figure out who was really the Batman that much because they didn't play that much together. Um, even well, though, now we now we're right yeah. from a big now perspective, you know, you, I think they knew Kevin Durant was the guy, but at the same time, for them to play together per se, yeah, they don't have much experience with that. The only they only played I think eight regular season games together, yeah. And yeah. after that, even in the playoffs, James Harden was hurt, uh, Kyrie gets hurt. You know, 
you don't you don't know how far this team would have went with that big three if all of them were healthy, especially within that first season. At least in that first year, you had LeBron James and D Wade and Chris Bosh healthy. So the judgment was a little different than this current year is right now. So I think if we give another year of it with them fully healthy, we can actually see the parallels of maybe that championship, you know, era with the Miami Heat versus the Brooklyn Nets with this big three here. The one thing, the one thing I push back on with that is it, that was that was a good response though. But I was the good one thing I will push back, and I'm I'm borrowing a little bit from Stephen A. Because I saw his segment too on first take. Uh, you know, he he said that the number one reason why they lost is karma, and it goes and he's he's dating the karma back to, um, you know how how Harden maneuvered himself out of Houston, and you know how you know he got himself onto the team first off, and also you know the way that Kyrie sort of approached the season. And some of his comments at the beginning of it, like in particular the ones about not needing to be coached. And, you know, he, he when, you know, of course we all know he was speaking about himself, but he was, it seemed like there was sort of a, a you know, at least among that big three of those top guys, uh, you know, a bit too much taking for granted what they had and not necessarily noticing that, you know, the other nine guys, going to need more coaching than they probably expected. And the coaches themselves probably needed more coaching starting from their rookie head coach and Steve Nash, you know, so, you know, when it comes, they, I don't think they in, in entirely, and, uh, you know, even though they had guys who had experience, championship experience and all that as an entire unit, I don't think they knew just what they had to go through to, take on a team like the Bucks and overcome them in a seven-game series. So, you know, it, there was so much going for the Nets. And, you know, if, if they face just about anybody else in the East in that series, they likely win, even with the injuries. But the Bucks were that team that just weren't going to let them by. They were, it was going to be no passing them this year and because they had their, their motivations and everything, their – they had doubts that they had to work through and everything themselves. So, you know, it made for a hell of a series. And, um, you know, I think that's next, you know, you got to see them as the favorite again next year. And which is pretty much, which is pretty much the situation that Miami was in after losing to Dallas, they were the favorites easily for the next season. They just had to work through some things. Like Josh said, who was the who was the Batman in the, in the equation? Who was the Robin? And in all this other stuff, team chemistry, you know, uh, motivation through the regular season, how they was going to approach the the regular season as opposed to the postseason and all that. But you know, but uh, Landon, man, what what were your thoughts on how that series ended up? And uh, you know, do you think you think the right team won that series, or was it just a matter of the Nets just uh, losing steam and losing that, uh, you know, losing too much time from their big three. Well, obviously they only played seven games together. I mean, this season prior to going into the playoffs, um, obviously um, I think that was game four or game, game two or, or, or game. Yeah. Game two, game one that Kyrie got hurt. Um, 
which I thought was it was a little bit more physical than you would have liked, um, especially during that you know that that uh, that sequence where he I think he stepped on if I'm not mistaken stepped on Giannis's foot, yeah. high ankle sprain. So it was kind of sorry. There's there's emergency vehicles going on in the background, but um, I think the Nets just ran out of gas. Obviously, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was uh, um, obviously thought that he won the game on that shot um, with, you know, in, in uh, regulation. Um, they went for, what was it, 0, 0 for 6, 0 for 8. I mean, um, uh, or not, sorry, 1 for one for 8, 1 for 6, something like that in overtime. They only scored two points and really yeah, to be honest, he, he missed the, yeah he missed all his shots they missed he, yeah. he missed all the shots i mean i, I forget yeah. who was it brown that put the uh the only bucket in um in, in, so. in overtime and so. it, to be honest with you outside of you know four points from the milwaukee i'm not even counting the two where they were on the free throw line at the end because the game was over at that point right um it really they got outscored by two points that would have sent the game into another overtime to be honest, but Kevin Durant was gas. He didn't have any, he didn't oh, have yeah. any help on the floor. Like Harden was, I mean, considering that he shouldn't have been out there if it was, a, you know, anybody with a strategy, he would have, you know, knocked on wood, wouldn't have been out there because he would have re-injured something, right? So um, that was a horrible coaching job um, during the last couple of games by Steve Nash. Um, people are blaming Steve Nash, but there's a veteran uh, head coach that's sitting right next to him in, um, in Mike D'Antoni. So, Everybody's blaming Steve Nash. That's really Mike D'Antoni's, you know, fault because he's been in those type of situations as a head coach. So I feel like that Brooklyn just ran out of gas and then also not having the chemistry that they needed and then injuries at the wrong time gave Brooklyn – I mean, I'm sorry, gave the Bucks the opportunity to um, advance in the series. And, you know, I tip my hat off to them for that. Yeah. You, Drew, Josh, you guys think that – uh, Kerr and that coaching line, because that coaching staff. I mean, I, I would think that someone at some point had to be like, you know, maybe maybe Durant doesn't have to play all the minutes. You know, <laughs> he's uh, Durant is he's just gonna play every minute they play for the rest of the season, apparently. So, but you know, it, it was a hell of an effort. I give it, I it, it, it impressed me again just the devotion that that brother has to the game. You know, but yeah, like like Landon said, he was completely gassed at the end. We took that last shot in overtime. It was it was like a it was just the the most desperate prayer you could imagine from him. You know, it's a shot that he could make ninety nine times out of hundred, but he just didn't have it in him because he he already made all the shots he was gonna make that night. So, I mean, I don't know what what, what do you guys think? Like, should there be more pressure? Like like it's interesting too because you look at the other team that got eliminated in the East. People are putting pressure on Doc, even compared to, you know, Simmons, who we're going to speak on Simmons in a minute. But people putting, you know, Doc, of course, has a history of, you know, failures in the postseason. But, you know, uh, Kerr, I guess, just being new, doesn't have that history yet to fall back on. But as a new guy, you know, and, and with veterans on his staff like Dan Tony. You know, you would think that they would have a little bit more to offer rotation-wise, and, and and I mean, and also you you know you got to think about some other guys not performing when the time arose, like Joe Harris and stuff. 
So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think about Brooklyn and their shortcomings that showed themselves by the end of the series? Multidimensional. Um, I think, obviously, from a player's perspective, that played a role as well. Um, they pretty much said, all right, K- it, watching KD play in this series with Kyrie and uh, limping James Harden was like – it was like watching an AAU tournament. Like you just say, all right, Kevin Durant, you're the best player. Here's the ball, go to work. Here's some mm-hmm. other, and you see four of the guys, and you, and you just hope you can just carry us home. Like, um, I feel like that, that's what it was. Obviously, James Harden was so he had no business out being out there, but he, whenever he was out with out there, he just couldn't do nothing. He couldn't he couldn't perform. Um, and you try to rely on Blake Griffin, who isn't the scorer that he used to be, um, isn't the same guy. And Jeff Green, you know, pretty much was like a blessing from God <laughs> halfway through the series for him to come out and play the way that he was able to perform coming off that injury that he didn't even know that he was going to come back from in that series. Um, so I think it's just a combination of players, you know, some players not showing up or just um, having the backlash of being so top-heavy, right? Because you could say the same thing about the Golden State Warriors. Um, when Kevin Durant got injured, you had Steph and Clay and Draymond, and they thought that would be enough. Then Clay goes down. All you have is two other stars and 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 the, and the rest of players that you you know would hope step up, but they're role players for a reason. Um, so I think it's just a matter of players, you know, unfortunately not living up to past their past their you know their position of role playing in, on the team, as well as the fact that coaching wise, you know the comparison of Steve Kerr and Steve Nash and how that coaching tree takes place. Um, the thing that differs with Steve Kerr is the fact that aside from the fact that he was given, you know, Steph Curry, I mean, yeah, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson all at once. Um, he was also given with the fact that he actually has championship experience. He did play with Michael Jordan. He played, he played with under with Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich and those guys. These franchises that brought stability and historical um, performances along within their championship journey. So he has something to fall back on along with his staff. Steve Nash is fresh blood, and the only championship experience he has was a coach on the Warriors. Um, He didn't play in a championship game. He didn't play in the finals. He didn't um, have – and the coaching coaching staff that he has around him, none of them played in the finals either. None of them coached in the finals. Um, there's no actual NBA Finals experience on that coach from a coaching staff perspective that could have helped give them those expertise down the line. At least Steve but it, it's playoff experience, though. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. But that's another. But you talking about another game? That's like I mean, this type. This is a game seven type of thing compared to you know taking things to that next level. Compared to, I mean, I would take an NBA Finals experience, you know, that in your back pocket over. You know, someone that can make it to the playoff but don't know if like to be in the crunch time game seven mode. Like, that's life or death. You know, that's a completely different situation. So I, I'm not saying that's the case. What I am saying, though, is I think that does play a role because when you talk about decision-making and how crucial it is in those crunch time moments, especially when it's a, you know, win or go home situation, having a championship pedigree and a championship experience in your back pocket Go would go. I would I would believe that would go a lot further than just coaches that have been to the 
you know, to the first or second round of the playoffs each year, but hasn't been able to take that next leap to the Western Conference Finals or, or, or to a finals matchup or, you know, it's from an NBA perspective or the conference perspective. Mm-hmm. Drew, Drew, what do you think, uh, you know, made the difference on the on the Milwaukee side this time? as opposed to, you know, their their past failures, you know, uh, we did see more from uh, from Chris Middleton in this series. And, you know, Giannis was pretty consistent in his overall outputs, but he still showed some, some key, those, there were some key moments. And, you know, of course his free throw shooting was, was uh, suspect at times is over is, you know, longer range shooting, was uh, definitely suspect at times. You know, people tried to – they tried to, to get on him, that Brooklyn crowd, towards the end of the series. He showed some some wherewithal. But uh, – and, and, you know, it's like I said, he, he performed throughout the series. But there's still some worries about him in regards to, like, uh, you know, late, late game possessions and stuff like that. Like, that, I think it was that last shot that – was it? I think it was the very last shot they had before uh, in, in regulation on Saturday where he just threw it up like, you know, it, it was really a, a, that he hit, hit the broad side of the backboard and it just it didn't look well at all. You, you know, you also had that possession too early in overtime where Lopez, you know, sort of did the same thing. But, you know, I don't know. You know, are we looking at, <laughs> you know, like if Middleton didn't show up, you know, Milwaukee likely loses. You know, is that what they're resolved to at this point? Like that Middleton has to bring has to to provide those mid range and long range shots, key shots at at uh, clutch times, and Giannis just has to you know bulldoze his way and get as many points as he can in the post. Yeah, I think you just that's the formula, man. I think that's the formula. Uh, Going back, like simply put, like how you said about what's the difference this year with them, I think it's, it's just simply just their resolve. Um, playing in a hostile environment, playing in the game seven, uh, still being able to come out of there with a victory, even though it was against an undermanned Brooklyn Nets squad. That, that's saying something. That's saying something. Uh, being more willing to kind of adjust on the fly in mm-hmm. Boonhoser's uh, case, even though he still kind of at times can be stubborn. Um, Middleton stepping up, doing what he did. I, I think I'm I also, you know, <laughs> when the season started, man, I was like, you know, they got Middleton, they got Giannis, they got. Um, yeah, we, we weren't speaking like they had enough earlier in the season. Uh, not, not at all. I said, okay, they got they got a number one, and then they got two number threes. But I think they really got a number one in Middleton. And possibly a number two with Giannis, and then of course Drew Holiday is being a number three, and then just a dog and, and PJ Tucker, who I think mm. added so much more to that team than what they had. Um, he's probably a, a big reason why they were able to persevere as well. Taking that, yeah, they, they don't win that series without Tucker either. Yeah, I'm man, he, glad you brought him up. Yeah, and it, it was it was the times when I was able to, to catch the games, man. It, it gave me goosebumps watching him fighting and claw with KD, um, knowing that there's no way in hell he's going to be able to really stop this dude, but he's just fighting like it. there's any chance that he could do it. And mm-hmm. then seeing him, you know, on the free throw line or just uh, 
after the play, kind of just chatting it up with each other. I don't know what was being said, but that's yeah. just I like that, man. I like, and, I like it, and, and messing with Wanda Durant on the sideline yeah. too. Like it was yeah. all love, but they was <laughs> but you still had them ready to scrap in that one game. Like it was, I loved it. I loved it. And now I'm kind of I don't I don't know I don't know if now that they've kind of slain the big dragon, the big bad dragon in the east, if the pressure's off, or if now they do have more pressure because the field is so much more wide open now. Uh, I, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, kind of looking ahead to this series with Atlanta and, and Trey Young, you know, the, the Hawks have already, you know, dispatched of two of the better defensive teams in the league. Now they're going against another one. So, you know, I would say that Milwaukee has the upper hand, but Atlanta's shown us. Ice Trey is uh, Josh <laughs> – has stated has shown us that you you know it's not it's not necessarily as sweet as it looks, man, on that defensive side of the ball. And real briefly, I gotta say something because this is this is what because this is the this is what how I really feel, Brooke, Thanks to Giannis, Middleton, PJ Tucker, and Drew Holiday, they say my boot and hose his butt for another year. That's all yeah. that really happened. Like because boot and hoser, to be honest with you. I don't see what much of the move, much of the adjustments he really made. I just thought Giannis was like, "All right, I'm just gonna play my game." Middleton said, "I'm just going to step up and be the closer, which you know I need to be." Drew Holiday's been impressive this whole entire playoffs, and and I think the addition of PJ Tucker really just set the tone for what they really needed to get to the actual championship round. So putting all that together with Budenholzer's stubborn self, you just get you just get by. And, and, and I feel like that's what happened with Milwaukee. It just got by and gave Budenholzer a whole nother year to just stay in Milwaukee and hopefully get another chance at a title. But I just think mostly they just they just saved his butt. That's all I feel, man. Like shout out to Giannis and, and Milwaukee. I can't take that. You can't take nothing away from what they did. You know they they did exactly what they were supposed to do and defeating Brooklyn to get to the, to increase the chances of winning the title. But Mike Budenholzer, I don't think he did much, man. I think he just got himself another year. That's how I view it. I, I, I want to extend that conversation right quick, but uh, Landon has to go right uh, yeah. uh, at the moment. Now, uh, just want to uh, you know thank you for for joining us uh, for for uh, you know for the the beginning here, Landon. Man, appreciate you and uh, uh, yeah, we we definitely want to bring you back on soon because I, I still want to have that Dallas conversation, man. So uh, you know, uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely try to bring you on uh, next week or so. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, as you can see, I ran out with the with the camera problem, so I want to go get that, get that fixed. Um, but you know, thank you guys for having me. And um, yeah, if you guys want to bring me back on Mon uh, next Monday or whenever you have it, or uh, have your next episode next week, I will definitely uh, have no problem coming on. And hopefully, yeah, I have better technology. Oh, it, hey man, I, I know what how it is, man. We all know how that is, but. Let, uh, let the people know how to follow you right quick, man. And, uh, you know, let them in the meantime, you know, follow your work and stuff. So right now, the only publication I'm writing for right now is LandonBuford.com, um, covering sports and entertainment like you guys introduced me earlier in the uh, the episode. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram at uh, what it says right here, uh, at LandonBuford on Instagram and Twitter. Cool, cool. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. And uh, yes, out there, man. And uh, yeah, we'll, 
We'll try to get you back on next week. Yeah. Okay. Because I know you want to have that Dallas conversation, and I and it's it's crazy. It's getting crazier by the by the by the day. It seems like so. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, man. We well, hey, keep All on right. the grind, man. Keep on the grind. Thank yes, you. Sir. Thank you guys again. Thank you, man. And Landon Buford there, man. Appreciate him. But uh, they said, well, yeah, well, he'll, he'll be back on the show soon. And um, yeah, we, but I, I want to extend that that what you brought up, uh, Josh, man. As far as I, I definitely agree with you that Budenholzer got a reprieve. It, it's kind of it's it's going to be hard for you know if he lost if if he and the Bucks lost their series, even though you're losing to the prohibitive favorite in the Nets, you know it would have been hard because there been so there were so many rightful critiques centered around his playing style uh, that the I, mean, I should say the playing style that the Bucks have that he would that he wasn't really attuning to the strengths of the team, especially early in that series where they were doing all this outside shooting and they weren't adhering to their strengths, like I said, and, and you know, they fell back in that series really f- drastically for no reason, you know, just because they were being stubborn. And, um, you know, as a coach, he has to have better reins of that and better reins of his players, even the star players. At, at these moments in time, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, if he lost that series, he likely would have been out the door. Him winning, it, it, it helps a big time, but I don't, I would say if they go out and lay an egg against Atlanta, and this, this, this sort of bridges into my, my overall question here is how big of a favorite should the Bucks be in this series? But, you know, we I, I'm sure, you know, given that they have the home court advantage and they are the higher seed and the more experienced playoff team, really, they, they check all the boxes as favorites. But, you know, say the Hawks do go out and, and knock them off, you know, <laughs> but they still and, and, and it's Bud's former team, too. <laughs> Bud may still be in that hot seat, you know, if, if they don't get to the finals, there, you know. We gotta see how this plays out in the in the in the uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't know. You know, if you, if you want to go into that, feel free. But uh, you know, like I say, my main question right now, in regards to the series, is how big of a favorite should the Bucks be? It's not as big as people think. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's as big as people think. And Philadelphia, this, this, the series with the Philadelphia 76ers is a prime example, right? Yeah. We all thought that you know they was the number one team in the East. They got Joel Embiid. He's playing great. He's playing right. Doc got him right. The Tobias Harris was showing up. Um, and even at least for the most part, leading up to that series, Ben Simmons was doing his thing. So we was thinking that you know this is this ain't gonna be a uh, this should be a pretty easy you know, get by a series for Philadelphia to prepare for a Brooklyn Nets or a Milwaukee Bucks, which was the ideal matchup he was looking for. Then I straight and messed around and t- flipped the whole script, right? And 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 not just him, too. Um, my red-headed Hooter guy. I forgot his name. My red-headed dude. I love I, I love, people. I love, I love that red-headed man. Well, they, they call him Red Velvet down there. Red Velvet. Red Velvet came through. <laughs> Right, in in a game seven, and 
flipped the whole script. And and that's what I'm saying. Like Atlanta is such a fun team to watch and to see what Trey Young is doing with that team, not just offensively but defensively too. Um, they they got some big men that can match up with the the, the stretched out ability of you know, Brooke Lopez or Giannis. They can wall up with Giannis because of John Collins and Capella. Um, they have, you know, they have some big guards that can kind of a little bit, you know, I think they're a little undermatched on the guard perspective when it comes to defensively. But offensively, they're just as much of a nightmare as Brooklyn, as, as Milwaukee can be. And, mm-hmm. you know, Milwaukee defensively has what has what it takes to hold that, to at least slow down that offense. They're not always capable of doing that. So, I that's what I'm saying. I can't necessarily say that this is going to be a huge, you know, advantage for Milwaukee when you think about on paper because it should be. However, when you talk about the games of recent play and the history behind, especially the history behind the Bucks, and quite often they don't know they don't have that killer instinct to take over a matchup on a consistent night and a consistent basis and stick to the way that they're supposed to play to win these games. And with Ice Trey arriving, I'm telling you, like, it's going to be some cold nights in Milwaukee, man, because Ice Trey ain't going. That team is not going. They're ready for it. And I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening. And he's going to relish playing in Milwaukee, playing against a hostile road environment. He's going to be looking to take out some hearts. So I – the, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun. Another fun series, I think, where you got a team like you say, Josh. They could stretch out the defense. They're gonna be looking to shoot, shoot long range. In a lot of ways, it's gonna mirror what they what the the Nets was offering them. But that was a good point you made there about the bodies they could throw in the front court at Giannis, and that's gonna play on both ends of the court. So Giannis is gonna have to he's gonna have to step up his his weak side, you know, uh protection, you know, when it comes to players like Collins who may be coming, you know, underneath on some on some lives type stuff in the in, in transition or you know uh you know uh Capella, the stuff that he could do as a rim runner and a rim protector, with he like I said, on both ends of the court. He even got the the young boy from uh from uh, USC that they picked up in the draft last year, who they could throw out there, and they and they got like I say they got they got, they got uh, 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 my man down uh, Garden uh, the vet Garden I'm, 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 I'm Gallinari I'm about to say Gardenari or something <laughs> Gardenaire so I'm say, so I know I'm gonna say it wrong but but yeah you got people like that and 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 just like like you say the 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 perimeter players aren't as impactful for Atlanta as as they are with Brooklyn, but you still got a Bogdanovich who can snap off at any time. And like I said, we saw what we see what Herder can do, and Ice Trey is always a threat. So it the net. I mean, the the Bucks got to play. They got to play discipline. They got to control as much of the, the the games as they can, and they can't. They can't slip in these first games at home. They got to assert their home court advantage because we've seen it in both series so far for the for Atlanta. They, uh, again, they thrive on playing on the road. They like to go and take games early. 
in other buildings. They did it to the Knicks. They did it to Philly. So, you know, if they do it here again to uh, to Milwaukee, that's going to set up the series just the way that they want to set it up. Okay, okay, okay. I got I, – I, I got to throw some cold water on Atlanta a little bit, man. I, 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 I understand. You going to wake him up, Drew? No, nah, a little bit. Like, I understand <laughs> it was a sexy pick, man, like it, it, with, with the teams that we got left. Um, you know, Trey Young is arguably like the most or the biggest lightning rod we have left in terms of entertainment, like just that pure, you know, yeah. monthly television. Um, he, he, like, he's, he's that old school – playoff antagonist that we haven't had in a while, man. He's, he's Reggie he's, Miller. He's Reggie Miller, yeah. <laughs> Reggie Miller. That's, he's the guy coming into the arena saying, give me all that that you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But un- unlike those days with Reggie, man, I actually enjoy watching Ice Trade do what he's doing because I'm, I'm not <laughs> – the Bulls ain't here, so. <laughs> right, he ain't doing it to the Bulls yet. Uh, Wait till next year, though. Right. <laughs> when well, they, they are three and the Bulls are six and he's <laughs> running around. And- Man, not, not on wood. No, but I, I think, you know, you, the, you guys make great points, but as much as – as many as the bodies that, as, as Atlanta can throw on Giannis, that's how many that can be, can be then thrown on Trey. They can come at him on holiday. They can come at him with Giannis. They can try to put Tucker on him. They can put Middleton on him. Um, you know, they have to switch, you know, those those uh, plethora of pick and rolls that they like to run where um, Trey Young is just running rampant with the ball and nobody knows if he's doing a floater or a lob to compel it. Like they have – I think they have ways to try to not neutralize that but just make it that much more difficult for them to pull off uh, their bread and butter plays, maybe even more so than what Philly and New York were able to do. Well, you, you look at P.J. Tucker again, his ability to disrupt from the three-point line in is going to be enhanced this series because he's not dealing with as physical a disadvantage as he was like when he was matched up against KD. Uh-huh. You know, nobody on, on uh, you know, uh, on Atlanta provides that sort of disadvantage, you know. Yeah, and something that you guys um... – didn't speak on was you know capella has has been as steady as they come man giving them it feels like nightly double doubles but now again this is a different team different series brooke lopez is going to bring him outside that paint man yeah um, and then he's going to have to respect that uh those corners going to be hot <laughs> with, okay. Gian- with Giannis at the top or drew at the top middleton kind of working in that mid-range so Nobody's giving a throw a prediction out there yet, but I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Milwaukee in six, man. Hey, hey, let's not get twisted. I'm not picking Atlanta to win. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap up the intrigue here. Maybe, maybe, I think Josh is. Maybe not you, but I think Josh is. Josh Josh want to pick him. Josh, yeah, Josh, you got the care. You got the guarantee button out there, man. <laughs> No, I'm not that. I'm not that messed up. I can't. I'm not Charles. I can't do what Chuck do, man. I can't do that. I'm not the guaranteed budding guy. But I would prefer Atlanta to win so I can make my trip to Magic City. Oh, Magic City in the finals. Huh? Magic City in the finals. That's a whole other story. But you know, I, if you think from a literally basketball logical perspective, as much as I love Atlanta, what they do. 
the Cinderella story is gonna have to end at some point because she's gonna have to eventually find her glass slipper. They won't find their glass slipper at the house. And I do believe that Milwaukee, if they do it right, if they really do it right, like Drew said, they should be able to finish this thing in six games. But I'm not completely counting Atlanta out just because we thought the same thing with Philly and look what happened. So I'm not going to completely knock them off, but I expect Milwaukee to handle their business and win this thing in six games. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I don't see it. I don't see them playing seven again, Milwaukee, and uh, you know I, I think I think six at the most. So yeah, I, I'm definitely riding with Milwaukee. I would say as as a basketball pick, and you know a little emotional as well. So you know yeah, it, it'd be like I said. I just I just I said it uh, with the last series. I just thought that Atlanta had some more growing to do, but it seemed it seemed like they're they got that boldness of youth about them where they're just playing, you know, they don't they don't they have they don't have any scaredness in them and they ready and I that'll continue in this series, I believe, but I just think at some point the matchup just won't be there for them and they won't be able to do as much as what they want in this series as what they did in Philly. And there's nobody in nobody in uh, uh, Milwaukee, as I make a transition here, who was going to give up a two-foot bunny under the rim. You know, so, uh, you know, they don't have that going, uh, that advantage going for them in this series. So, uh, of course, you know, you know what I'm talking about when I, when I say that. And, um, you know, I want to, uh, you know, we, Got with about a half hour here left. I'll, I'll give us. I'll keep it a low. We'll keep it pretty much local for this last part of the show. Um, in, in in regards to Ben Simmons, you know the talk with him is that he's absolutely played his last game in Philadelphia, and um, I would I'm willing to agree with that. Like he needs a new place to go. And there's a number of places where he probably could go, where he could make an impact right away. You know, I, I could, off the top of my head, I could think of, you know, uh, a Minnesota or New Orleans, you know, uh, maybe even a Miami or something like that. But, you know, uh, you know, Stephen A uh, really, uh, he brought up Portland, uh, this morning on on ESPN, you know that could that could work possibly as well, but uh, of course, you know I think all of us on our timeline may have had people because of who we follow and converse with who mentioned who were who were willing to mention that the Bulls may be in a, a place where he could go, and there have been rumors at points in the last year or two. Already, you know, when back when Ben Simmons's value was higher, much higher than it is now, that uh, you know he could be a guy who could be moved to the Bulls at some point. But now that value is is, is low, low as it can be. You know, I still think in the face of that, I wouldn't necessarily take it on if I was the Bulls. I would rather him see him get his mind right and his. You know his his game right in the in the in the, in, the, in of another fashion. You know beyond what we're seeing of him now, he has a four year contract still, and whether he 
you know, that's time enough, whether he does it in Philly or with another team where you can allow for him to to put up or shut up. And, you know, at the end of that contract, he's still going to be in his 20s. He's still going to be a guy with a, with a, a lot of future ahead of him in the league. You know, I would wait out that time and, you know, I would think at that time he's going to he's going to uh, play the free agent market, you know, regardless of where he's at. So that would be a time where I would probably take the risk on him, depending on what he shows in that time. But in the immediate aftermath of what he did in this postseason, I don't think I could take him on, you know, myself. But, you know, I'm not AK. I'm not Mark Eversley. So, you know, you know, with that said, do you think that there's a possibility that the Bulls would take a risk on him? And, you know, what do you think it would take for him to be in Chicago? I think I think I think the Bulls would do their due diligence. Um, the Bulls are known for this this specific front office management is, you know, doing their behind the scenes work and doing their homework before they jump into something that they feel that certain of. Um, and the prime example is the Nikola Vucevic trade, right? Um, they did their due diligence all season long, reportedly. And when the time came where they knew it was time to blow it up, they blew it up and went big doing it. So um, they're, they're known to make the right moves when they feel that it's ready and necessary to make the moves. That being said, Ben Simmons, um, he provides areas that the Bulls do lack. Um, yeah. Defensive perimeter, uh, especially defensively from the perimeter, a big body that could be versatile and play multiple positions, um, et cetera. So he, he does fill those gaps. But the problem is if you can't get that jump shot right, how is the Bulls' offense going to expand? That was always been a problem for the Bulls this past season. And that's why they relied so much on Kobe White, because they knew he could score the ball. But they also needed him to facilitate on top of being a scorer, um, which was a responsibility that he is still learning. Um, and with his, and that's why Lonzo Ball became such a huge factor this offseason too, right? Because even though he know he, we know he can facilitate and he's a great on-ball defender from the perimeter, his, the, 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 uh, the increased ability to shoot the ball, where he shot close to 40% from three-point land this year, that intrigued the interest that much more. And I don't know if Ben Simmons will have – his jump shot will get improved in that much amount of time to where the Bulls are willing to take that type of risk and hope that, that through their player development program, Ben Simmons will develop a, a jump shot where at least, if it's not perfect – he could at least take the shots. Like it's, it's different from, you know, yeah. if it's different from shooting, knowing you can't shoot, but you can at least be willing to take the shot to make the defense react. He's yeah. not even taking shots. Like he's not even looking to take a shot. So to even get past that level, that's a whole nother like mental block of trauma that the Bulls have to deal with. And I don't know yes. if the Bulls would be really to be willing to take on that mantle. I, I just don't see that happening. I don't think it would be a good move. Um, and just a random side note, you, you mentioned, Kyle, uh, about different teams that Ben Simmons could be traded to. I actually saw something that might be intriguing as well is the Bull, is uh, Philadelphia actually trading Ben Simmons to Oklahoma City for Kemba Walker. Um, mm. Oklahoma City could eat up that big contract. And if you want to build something around Ben Simmons over there, you technically have the picks, the draft picks to do it. 
Um, and then Kemba Walker being in his ready to win now mode. Um, if he could stay healthy, putting him with Joel and B is not a bad option in Philly. Um, so that's something that I saw lurking around there as well. That could be very interesting. But as far as Ben Simmons to the Bulls, I, I'm with you, Kyle. It's, 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 there's a lot of pluses, but there's also a lot of negatives that can come with that. And, and, and I think the Bulls have to give up too much, especially probably give up Zach Levine to make it happen. And I would not do that for the life of me. I would never do that. Oh, so. no, not at all. Not at all. I, my thinking was more of like actually Kobe. And, you know, I was thinking like, see, the thing with me, again, with, with Ben in comparing Chicago to Philly and the reactions that, you know, could be possible from here as, you know, comparable to Philadelphia is we're not as mean as Philly but we're not that far off. So I think the first time that in a Bulls uniform where he would pass off a bunny under the rim and he gets booed by one of the, the full, the first full crowds in the, in the United center in two years, he's going to be right back into his dark place again. You know? <laughs> and and the, like the Bulls fans, we you got enough it's not the majority of bulls fans but you got enough bulls fans who are who are re uh re who are questioning the Vooch trade and Vooch is a baller but Vooch you know but but people see uh you know Wendell performing in, in Orlando like oh see they messed up you know imagine if we gave up uh if we gave up uh, uh, Zach or Kobe or somebody and they go snap in Philadelphia and Ben's still here shooting four of 18 and, and, and the Bulls are still, you know, pretty much the team that they were last year, but just a little better on the perimeter on defense. That'll, that's not going to work. That's again, why I say let this man work through his stuff and look at him maybe in a few years when he's probably on the wider market and see if he's if he evolves if he evolves into something. There was something I saw earlier today where they, there's talk that he may need he may stop shooting left-handed and, and start shooting right-handed. It's like this dude is gonna be starting from scratch. <laughs> Cause he's got no offensive game right now. He's starting from scratch. So if you're the Bulls, you don't take that on just for a couple of, of bumps up in your defensive rating. You need more than that. You need more than that from your guy on the on point. And a, and a few empty assists. You know, you need more than that. So, you know. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a an exec, man, well, I guess you couldn't do it because it'd be considered tampering, but if you could I would I would have to have a conversation with Ben. Like, what is it that you think you do well? What is it that you think you need to improve on? What have you done in your summers to improve on your game? Um, you know, talk about talk me through what goes through your mind on certain scenarios, certain plays. What are you thinking in crunch time? What do you what do you feel like you're more you're more effective? Because like you guys have said, um this guy he just he takes so much pressure off the defense because he's unwilling to shoot. Like you know, you can't do that, man. It's one thing to to not have a, a, a trusted jump shot, but it's a whole another thing to not even 
make the defense fearful that she'll even take a, a take a shot. At least Giannis, at least Rajon Rondo's of the world, they'll they'll they will at least try to keep the defense honest. Um, and I'm not sure if it's him being stubborn or what it is, man. I don't know what it is, but he's he's cutting himself short. Um, and he's really kind of held back that that Philly squad. And that's not to let, you know, Doc Rivers or even Joel Embiid as, as well as he played for most of that series, because I think he did have like seven or eight turnovers um, in that game seven. But, you know, Ben Simmons was kind of dragging them down, more like a ball and chain rather than an anchor. <laughs> there's, a, there's a picture, there's a there's a picture of uh of Embiid of carrying like a barrel of bricks and I think in Africa or something this label and the bricks are labeled Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it's it, it's bad, man. It's, he, it's bad. It's, he, it, it, he's, we talked earlier about how how Paul George has gotten it over the years. Like it's gonna be bad for him for for uh for Ben Simmons until he he has to actively change the narrative about him and he, he can only do that on the court so he's gotta he's gotta do a lot over the next few years to change the way that people think about him and there may be people like you know shout out to BC shout out to, oh, to James. <laughs> they, they, they always gonna be on that beat that beat that bean Simmons <laughs> They always gonna be on that. So, oh yeah, it, it, you know, I'm I'm kind of and I'm I'm kind of with them at this point until I see something different, man. And like I say, I don't necessarily want to see that on the Bulls, you know. But but uh, we'll see what happens, you know. If if the Bulls buy low on him, you know, hey, if they can give him up for uh, Archie Diacono and a couple of uh, uh, Giordano's pieces, maybe, you know. Maybe we can make something happen there, but you know, uh, I, I like I said, I don't want to give up anything crucial for him, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it's, as far as you know, speaking of crucial, um, you know, the the lottery. Let's spend a second on the lottery. The lottery's coming up tomorrow, and there's an outside chance that the Bulls could be involved in the lottery if they get. Uh, I think the top if if. If uh, the pick that is right now established uh, tied to them uh, goes in the top three, they will get the pick. If it falls anything under that, they won't get the pick. And uh, I think the the established order uh, going into the uh, the lottery is it would have the Bulls pick at eighth. So that if the if if it went the way that it's supposed to go. Uh, that pick would go to Orlando, and Orlando would end up with two picks in in the top ten, likely. Uh, so you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, Drew's gonna have a little bit about that on uh, our on our Substack tomorrow. I uh, I sort of rearranged some stuff with the Chicago Sports Exchange uh, this today, but uh, that's uh, that's gonna be involved in. Uh, previously in the sports exchange is going to be involved in uh, on its own. You can catch that on our on our Substack War Ready uh, tomorrow. But uh, 
don't know. Given given that I, I just made the tease there, Drew. You know, what what are your thoughts on the uh, the lotto and the lottery? I should say, and how the the Bulls are relating to it. Preparing for the worst, praying for the best, man. Not getting my hopes <laughs> up whatsoever. Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that that safety net that Carnosaurus built into that trade for Vucevic of, you know, you know, let's say we get, we make these trades and for whatever reason it doesn't work out. Well, let me have this protection just in case. Well, even that just in case ain't really going to be what it was supposed to be. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. Um, you know, well, I'm, you know, the world, they pulled out a miracle before, you know, I, I don't know how much help the league had before it in that, but <laughs> it, was, it was what 1.8 percent for the Rose pick. Yeah, like 1.7, and even even last year they weren't supposed to to get up into that top four range. I think they were yeah. slotted at seventh. I think. Yeah, so, it, it seemed like we were resigned to getting the number seven pick for eternity for a while. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank God that 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 didn't you know go the way it had been going. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not really. I'm. I'm I don't want to say I'm not excited about it, but I'm just. I'm, I don't want to even put too much energy into it because I feel like I already know what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> and I kind of kind of address that. I feel you. Like you, you can't. You can't. You, you just gotta. You know, sit back and 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 if it happens, then you know, hooray. But <laughs> you, you can't be. Uh, you can't get too emotionally involved in it because. You really set yourself up for failure. Just, you know, if it, you know, we talked about it in, in weeks past, like, you know, the Bulls, there's an outside possibility. And and if they get into that, that mix of that top three, they will likely be able to get from either, you know, either Cunningham from Oklahoma State or uh, Suggs from Gonzaga. They could get possibly their Justin Fields. And you know the guy who, just the guy who they need right now to run their offense on the court or in, in or, or as opposed to on the field, and you know the, a, a potential game changer who they really didn't deserve getting, <laughs> uh, you know, but they fell into their laps. So you know that would that's what's really does that's the stakes there. But at the same time, but the good thing about it is that it's not all the stakes that's there. It's not, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't necessarily ruin the offseason. It's just something that didn't happen for them. And like like Drew said, it was part of a deal that you really can't argue improve the team regardless. So, you know, we just you just got to take it and leave it, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I, I just I'm just gonna just have my I'll have my booze ready to go. <laughs> your boo, your booze or your booze? My booze, my <laughs> booze, my my. I'll have my alcoholic beverages. Oh, you, you might you can have both. You know, you, oh, one, I know one I can. booze could lead to the other. <laughs> for sure, I got my one that that I know for sure I'll, I'll be straight with. But it's the birthday tomorrow, so you know I gotta I gotta have something. Oh, uh, you gonna turn up on you? Yeah. You got the lottery on your birthday. You got the lottery on my birthday. It used to be draft, <laughs> but you know, pandemic hit, so changed all. Right. Pushed it back. Yeah. Pushed it back, but yeah, it used to be the draft. So I'm, um, you know, it's always been on my birthday week. So 
I've always enjoyed myself, especially uh, when the, the legality of the age kicked in. But um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be uh, having having my drinks on and, and watching the watching the lottery and just see where the where the Bulls end up with. I hope it's obviously. I hope it's the top three or four so we can. Because I'm big on Jalen Suggs. I love Brandon Cunningham and 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 what he could bring to the table. If we get Jalen Suggs, that's my guy. I think he'll be the per the I'm perfect. I'm kind of with you on that, Josh. Perfect guy for the Bulls. So if that were to take place, great. If not, I ain't too worried about it because that just focuses the attention to what you're gonna do in the offseason with the free agency and potential trades picking up. Like we 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 know that the Bulls are now a front office and a team that will at least engage in the festivities if they don't pull triggers. They will at least engage in the festivities. They will, they're willing to dip in the other side of the pool without being too bougie with it, okay? So, <laughs> therefore, um, I'm, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing what this draft lottery can potentially shape for the Bulls' future when he talks about the offseason and filling in those holes that we need to fill because we have a lot of holes we got to fill. And you know, there's only a few, like few people, only a select few people that are available in this offseason. So we just got to see what we're going to do. Definitely, definitely. As uh, we round, we're rounding out this latest episode of Running with War. And um, you know, I, I had to look this up. You, you mentioned tomorrow being your birthday, Josh, and I think you'd appreciate that the sky are playing on your birthday. Unfortunately, let's see. This would have made a nice birthday trip. Uh, going to New York and seeing them play the Liberty, that would have, yeah, but that really would have. Madison Square Garden, never been, yeah, yeah. that'd have been, but, but yeah, I was thinking you could, you could have, it would have been nice too if you could have just went to Wintrust and saw them as well. That'd have been, yeah, that'd have been nice, but yeah, that'd been dope to see them in New York. But that's what they're going to be doing tomorrow, uh, playing the Liberty and uh, in no school and everything, you know, it's going to be in. Uh, interesting game there, but uh, you know, as, as we move on to you know, get to some sky talk, we don't have Chris here, but I think we all could speak on the sky and and you know, being pleased with them running off five straight here and getting their record back up to to 500. They haven't lost with Candace Parker on the feet on the court this year, and um, so it's pretty much proven already how good that deal was. <laughs> And uh, the impact that that's made, and you know, we talked to we talked to about just you know the team coming together and and you know dealing with the injuries that they had and the losses that they had. Steph Dawson was doing the Olympic qualifying; she's got back into the team and and, and rotation has been doing well. And uh, you know, the the trade uh, for Dana Evans. You know, a lot of people, you know, Chris didn't like it and a lot of people looked at it sideways, but they it might have been something that they needed to do. You know, even if, you know, they could have got her in the draft, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, gone through all this mess in the first place. You know, in the end, they were able to make the deal and get the girl. And, and you know, unfortunately, Shyla Neal had to be on the wrong side of that. But. Evans may wind up being a, a good player on in the rotation, uh, and and a, a ready-made rookie who can contribute more so than even Neil was. So, but you know, like I say, five straight. They're SF. They're at five hundred, and you know, 
the worries that 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 were there a couple of weeks ago would seem to have gone away. But you know, hey, you never know. Uh, it, but like, but at the like, I guess the main thing is that, like I said, with Parker, with the team as a whole, or, or close to it, and with Parker on the court, they don't seem to be lacking in what they need to do. So, what, what do you guys think about what the sky's done? I just think, you know, just to have that about face, man, to to take those seven losses on the chin and come back with five straight wins. Yeah. Um, at a time where they're about to face the Liberty, a team that they've already lost to this season, um, who they're going to play twice this week on the road, and then have to go play the um, Sun again on the road, I believe, Saturday. You know, it's hard to beat a team three times three times in a season or three times in a row, however you want to put it. Yeah, um, be a tough stretch. Yeah, yeah man. So, so and, and uh, you know, to, to get those wins um, – against kind of a, some lesser opponents or ones that have been uh, kind of fighting with injuries and whatnot. That's huge. That's huge. And, you know, they have another low, I want to say, maybe the wings are mixed in. I think the Mystics are mixed, mixed in. And then they finally play the Storm. You know, we haven't played the Storm or the Aces yet. So, uh-huh. you know, so I, I want to see what that's going to look like, you know, with us at our, at our, with the Sky at their best against, the other top echelon teams in WNBA. And that's that's what I was sort of like when I was I was going over what I was talking earlier. I was saying like, I'm, you know, they they're right, they're, they're back in a good place, but we don't we still got some questions going forward. Cause like like Drew, you laid it out good. That schedule being what it is and these double up games and stuff, it's it's weird. Like I wonder if I like they, they had to make the schedule beforehand when the pandemic was still very going strong and everything. But I wonder how much, if any, the league is, you know, sort of, uh, you, you know, just sort of not uh, sort of. Uh, I, was, I wonder how much they're just like, like man, I wish we could have made this a more regular schedule, and, you know, and, and not have these double up games and stuff. Because it's, I don't know how much. It, it seemed like it would be affecting the competition in some way. Because I really, I, I go back to that the stretch sort of right before this when they played like Phoenix a couple times and they played LA a couple times. And that was a stretch where I remember on the show talking to Chris and I was like, man, that could be a tough stretch. And Chris sort of was like, well, you know, they're not as good as they – they they've been in recent years, and I think they lost like all but one of those games. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, they might have lost all those games, I think. But yep. yeah, they also I think they lost all those games against Phoenix and LA. So it was like mm-hmm. that was in the middle of the losing streak. So it was like, you know, I, I don't I don't know what is it about certain you know could be a matchup thing or or it's just them still coming into their own as far as their their rotation and and not having Parker be uh, there and and a hundred percent, you know, yeah. But but like the Sun and the Liberty have both been uh, you know gotten off to good starts. The Liberty, like like Drew said, is already beating the Sky, and uh, the Sun played the Sky pretty tough on Saturday. But uh, you know we'll see how that goes. You know, uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they play against. Like you say, the storm and the aces, because those are 
two two big teams in the West and going to be two teams that they're definitely going to have to uh, get around if they want to have those championship aspirations towards the end of the season. So, But uh, as, we, as we wrap up, one cool thing uh, I want to throw out there that uh, I saw earlier today, I think, you know, I don't know if you guys saw it as well, but uh, Jordan Brand making a big uh, announcement and uh, revealing a big roster of 11 uh, WNBA players that they got on the Jordan brand now, endorsing those sneakers and clothing and stuff, and uh, try to read off those names. But uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty uh, unprecedented. Not, you know, we we've talked uh, earlier this this year about how the the league has changed and how they're getting more. Uh, endorsements from their individual endorsements from their players and more, uh, you know, money, more money coming to the league and everything. And, you know, we look at the uh, iconic nature of the Jordan brand and just the, the, the so much real estate that it holds in, uh, in clothing and in fashion and in, in sportswear, you know, uh, definitely to, to give some of that, over to the ladies, you know, that's a big move for Mike. And, um, you know, the, the picture that he took was pretty cool. I don't know if you saw with, you know, Mike standing behind the ladies and they were all lined up in front of him. So, you know, he, he it's, it, we're seeing woke Mike again, the evolution of woke Mike, you know. It's not something we would have saw in the 90s, but, you know, that, that's back when he was still, you know, dunking on Cheryl Swoops and stuff if he had the chance and stuff. But, now he's he's taking he's taking a backseat to the ladies and letting them shine, and uh, let me see the roster of women again. Um, uh, interestingly, Maya Moore, who you know as a stills retired from the game, is on that list. But uh, you know it show it goes to show something else that they're doing with this is you know highlighting the ladies who are standing up for issues and matters outside of the court as well. That's definitely something that is attributed to Maya Moore. But uh, the rest of the players are are active in the league now. Kia Nurse, Asia Durr, Satu Sabali, Chelsea Dungy, uh, Ariel Powers, Crystal Dangerfield, Arella Corinne, Garantes, Tia Cooper, Deoxia uh, Hamby, and Jordan Canada. So, yeah, definitely a really cool movement advancing the, the movement of the WNBA and uh, these ladies, hopefully they get some good, some good dough out of it, you know? Yeah, most definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned the Maya Moore component of it because she pretty much helped pave the way. She crawled so that the rest of the WNBA players can walk and run. Right. Yeah. And um, for her to take up the mantle that way that she did and be so impactful behind it for her to still be with Jordan brand, and, for, and I think she did play a role in probably having Jordan's ear in regards to helping form this campaign uh, and this movement together. So that way, you know, Jordan, it could be put together in a way that, you know, that gives the platform that the women need because she is one of the main ones that helped pave the way um, to be able to have that. And, I, and I'm glad and thankful for Jordan to be able to, for him utilizing his brand to do so. Also, he was probably smart enough to think about the fact that this probably is an extra, um, you know, an extra avenue of income for him 
uh, just because, you know, now you got the women involved and tapping into another league and pretty much being as a businessman, paying attention to the trends of how women are being, especially the WNBA, are supporting more uh, social justice movement initiatives and him being the guy that he is, you know, he can be like, hey, I got a, I got a platform y'all can use. But but in the yeah. in his pocket. But I got I got some shoes y'all could buy too. Yeah, shoes, yeah. Sweatpants <laughs> and yeah, yeah, <laughs> shirts wow. and all that. Yeah, so it's a smart business. It's a smart business move that we can't completely neglect. You no, know, negate the fact that that is MJ and he's a businessman. Um, but at the same time, the friend of actually make this movement, um, in the way that it is at the uh, caliber that it is. That's uh, it's a big step in the right direction for not just. Jordan brand, but other brands in general to join that movement as well and creating their own brands, creating their own initiatives within those brands. Um, so hopefully this doesn't stop with just Jordan. It goes to Nike, it goes to Adidas, it goes to Puma now, it goes to Converse, all these other different shoe brands that have women contract, that have women that represent their brands. Um, mm. I hope it continues and lead on to those other uh, shoe, those other shoe companies and uh, endorsements. But they'd be smart to get on board. I mean, the, the fact that it is Jordan makes all the difference. Like, if Jordan is doing it, there's no excuse for no one else, for anyone else to not do it, you know. True. Very true. Drew, you got anything you want to add? Just, you know, just to piggyback, just the explosion of um, women's sports and the promotion of uh, these athletes, man, it's, it's, it's great to see, like you guys have said. Um, I think it's still far away off from where they want to be and where they're trying to get to, but um, it's a movement that's in progress. Yeah. Much deserved. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll just join the movement for one million dollars. <laughs> can I just can I just join join the boardroom for like a year, less than that, and get a meal out of that? Because I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> hey, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll need a meal. Just give me. Just, you know. You know. That's that's like that's like the 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 post I saw this week. Somebody talking about, would you take a meal now or fifty dollars a week? You know, uh, for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, I, what, what you think I'm gonna take, man? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a t I, I take fifty dollars for the WNBA every week, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it $50 per show. Just give just tell me what you want me to, to say on the show every week and I'll I'll mm -hmm. take it. Anyway. But that that's yeah, it's a good it's a good thing overall and it's it's highlighting and providing a platform for people who deserve it. And uh, you know, it says it's providing it's allowing more of the cape, you know, that's out there to be uh distributed to more people. And uh, another another case of that happening is the the, the uh, Supreme Court uh, ruling against the NCAA and uh, making it official that the, the the athletes can go out and, and get the money that they want, but with their own likenesses and everything. So that's another big breakthrough that came through today, and uh, that's going to definitely have an impact on amateur athletics at all levels and. And uh, and basketball and all that. So, yeah, we we'll see how that impacts uh, college players and you know who who goes where and who you know uh, you know uh, what what type of endorsements may you see with uh, players even before they get into the NBA now and everything. So, 
you know, I'm all for it. Like I say, you, it, they, it should be, those opportunities should be there for these people, you know, women and men, because they make the money that, you know, so many that the NCAA hog has hogged up on and college presidents and, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, yeah, college presidents and executives, all, all these people who hogged this money up all these years, and it's just been nothing available for the players. For what? You know, some sort of misguided and, uh, you know, uh, idea of amateurism as being, you know, uh, uh, held aloft because we allow these kids to be broke. You know, that's not how it should be, you know. So, uh, yeah, get, the, get your money, man. Let's, I want to see a bunch of local uh you know car dealership commercials and mcdonald's ads with you know with the paul players and u of i players and northwestern and I, let's see all that man let's let's see them get their money man you know let them let them go out on the corner at win trust and sign you know sign their autographs and you know and, and <laughs> do their thing man you know man you imagine how popular how how much more popular was the paul or how, how long was q at DePaul? it was in there for a year or two i think it was two, was yeah. two? how popular those teams would be with him and Bobby Simmons, Bobby Simmons and Jane, man. Jane, 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 Oh man, yeah, for sure, man. But like I said, like that. It, it, I'm glad you brought that up because you know the Paul's trying to trying to do something right with this new athletic director, um, the new basketball coach. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about that, right quick? They got a brother running the the athletic department now. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time. I'm glad they got a brother up in there running the show. Um, I still have in some cases some question marks about the head coach just because of his. Uh, sexual assault situation that happened in Oregon. Yeah, really, so I'm still intrigued in, on how they're gonna handle it. That. It, was, it was it was him. It was him possibly having knowledge of a players did. It wasn't nothing that he did, right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, so I'm a little worried about how they investigated that. Um, especially since we are a school that is you know very religious based and we have certain you know standards about how we treat our peoples. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how that's going to go, but but from what I've been hearing and from what I've been seeing, DePaul's been putting their name out there in that transfer portal. They've been getting some good, decent transfers to come over um, to bolster up that men's basketball team. Um, the athletic director has supposedly, you know, has been a guy that's not playing any games. He's serious. He wants to take things to the next level, and which he should, because the Big East is no joke, especially with what Georgetown just did this past year. Um, you got shaken up with Marquette and Shaka Smart, and you know that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And you know, I got a cousin that's gonna play for Shaka Shaka Smart next year. Um, who, who you know who was recruited to Marquette? So, so who's this? Uh, Cameron Jones. Cameron okay. Jones. Uh, he was a he was Mr. All Basketball at Memphis, and now in Memphis, and now he he accepted a full ride to Marquette. He was gonna go there regardless. But with the coaching change and Shaka Smart being there, that really 
you know, intrigue things anyway. So, um, and uh, supposedly Marquette got a good recruiting class coming in um, with that, with the new changes that they made. So, you know, the Big East in general is no joke. It's always been no joke. It's always been a very competitive field, but with DePaul being so bad these past couple of years, um, you know. (laughs) The the bad thing is that they did show a spark, like in regards to getting talent. At least, like they got, yeah. The, it, well, the run that they had at the beginning of the last year was really good. Yes, and they they just fell off again because I, I don't for whatever reason I don't know why uh, they gave that man that job again. But they, either the uh, Dame Lato did not deserve that job, and he was he was never gonna get that that team back to where they needed to be. But they have. Like I say, they've gotten talented guys to play mm-hmm. on that program over the past couple of years. They mm-hmm. just need the leadership now. So yeah, we, we, you know, the, this is that's the interesting thing about the portal. The portal opens so much up now, and talent from across the country is switch, you know, switch, switching and switching all around. And you know, if people are, I think. Uh, one of one of the guys who used to play for the Paul Sand was uh uh no I don't know if it's Sands or it's another guy but but I think he's playing for like his fourth team in four years or something. <laughs> you see these kids are switching like they they, they they it's like it's like when you at the end of games when you uh you know stage exchanging jerseys they're gonna be exchanging jerseys for real in the moment like you know but uh. Hey, I like I say more free, more power to them, more freedom to the kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's see how let's see how the game is. The game has changed, and uh, you know, I I don't know what the impact is going to be wholly, but you know, let's let's see how it plays out. But uh, that's it though for now. Uh, Running with war, uh, another session in the books. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll have another show this week. Maybe. But uh, we'll definitely be back on next week. And uh, like I said, we'll bring Landon Buford back on to uh, have that uh, Dallas Mavericks discussion and everything, see how everything is wilding out down there, among other things. And, of course, you know, more games played in the play in the postseason. These uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals are playing out. Game one of the Eastern Finals starting on Wednesday. So uh, definitely we'll be reacting more to that. And uh, and the uh, – well, I, I'll tell you what, if the Bulls, if the Bulls get that top three pick, we definitely will be doing a show, this another show this week. So Top four. Yeah. Top four. A top a – top, I thought it was – see, I've, I've heard different things. Now, now, I, know, I know when the trade was protected in the top four, but I, I, don't, I thought – I don't know if it was changed by, you know – the, the lottery rules are, but hopefully, hopefully, the, if it's top four, that's good too. But you know, whatever, if the Bulls get a pick, that's that's the thing because they either <laughs> gonna have a pick or they're not. So if the Bulls have a pick after Tuesday night. Then we yeah, we will definitely get back on this week and talk about it. Have us a little emergency emergency pod. Yeah, yeah, we gotta <laughs> react to that. So I think at some point we gotta talk about Doc Rivers too, man. Like not to say nothing away from him. Oh. Man, him him losing and Ty and Ty Lue advancing on happening. Was it the same? Was, 
Man, we got we might have to talk about Doc, man. I ch- I kind I kind of purposefully let I put we we did like a perfunctory mention of him, but yeah. But see, yeah, he's lucky though, cause yeah, Ben took all that pressure <laughs> off. But Ben being being put took all that pressure <laughs> off. <laughs> Bean man, that dude. Yeah, so. <laughs> all day on Twitter, man. That's all I. See. Yeah, Ben Simmons just needs to stay away from Twitter for about the whole summer. <laughs> <laughs> the streets are too hot for him right now. The streets are too hot. Right, he sh- he sh- he shouldn't be all social. He needs to be working on his jump shot. That's all he needs to do. Also, work on his jump shot. It's all kind of rumors about him. All he, you know, obviously he doesn't only do this, but about him, the amount of time he spends playing Call of Duty in the summertime. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, don't, no, don't work on Call of Duty. Work on your jump shot. Shoot, shoot a thousand with your left. Shoot a thousand with your right. (laughs) Do it. Do something. I mean, you. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you you have to be bad. If they're creating memes and say, if you feel useless, just know that Ben Simmons wears a shooting sleeve. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. man. I, I, I've heard this man compared to Tim Tebow today, so this is getting. See, man, see, and, and maybe that's a, maybe that's the op, option for him. maybe he could play a tight end for somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Could he at least catch the ball? <laughs> that's it for us, though, man. We out of here. Running with war. You got you got the tags for my guys in Josh Joshua M Hicks Media. Look what Drew did. That's how you follow them on uh, IG and Twitter, and uh, definitely keep up with Drew's writing on uh, like our uh, uh, War Ready Substack. His own Substack as well. What, what's your name of that, Drew? Uh, the Bullish Blogger, but that's. Very much a work in progress, man. Just follow, just follow Drew and Jim, <laughs> and follow Josh as well. And Josh doing this thing with the uh, Paul as well is what he does with us and stuff with the Paul and their student media. So yeah, definitely uh, wish you guys the best with your, what you're doing. And uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, like I said we'll maybe get back later this week, or but uh, definitely get back at next week at the latest. So. That's it for now. Uh, enjoy these games. I got, like I said, I got uh, Milwaukee at six. And uh, I, I don't know. We didn't make a Western Conference pick, so I don't know. Y'all want to do that or what? So CP3 is out game two. That just came across. Okay. We may want to hold that off or what? Oh. <laughs> uh... I go Clippers, man. Forget it. I go Clippers. Clippers, Bucks. I kind of, I'm kind of leaning to Clippers too, even though they lost that first game. I'm gonna be an outsider at this one. I'm going. I'm, I think CP3 gonna come back at the right time. It may not come when you want him, but he's coming right on time. <laughs> he's gonna make sure that he's to the finish line. Suns in seven. I'm going Suns in seven. Okay. Right. As long as he keep that mouth covered, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Clippers. We, me and Drew go around with the Clippers and Bucks matchup. Josh got the Bucks in the uh, Sun, so I don't. I'm not mad either way, though. I'm, I'm not mad either way. So you know, let's see how it goes. But uh, enjoy those, enjoy those uh, conference games. Enjoy the uh, the lottery revealing. 
uh, tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back. Catch us on on these online streets. And in the meantime, keep bouncing.